So, well, good morning again. It's good to uh, be back. It's good to just come and look at God's Word together for a few minutes. Um, I didn't say if it's your first time, I'm going to give you a really warm welcome. Um, maybe you've moved into the area or just looking at churches that you may consider coming to, and, uh, and we'd love to get to know you more. After the service, there's tea and coffee next door, and it's a really good time to get to know some new people as well. During the week, we've got connect groups and various other activities, and we'd love to tell you a bit more about it as well so that you might know um, where you might fit uh, and some, get to know some people as well. Um, should we pray before we just come to look at God's word together? Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word, as Daphne said. Thank you, Lord, that your word is, Lord, our ultimate authority. But Lord, what we believe, the truths that we stand on, even if they might be unpopular, Father God, are truths in your word and nowhere else. Lord, traditions, um, Lord, are, are secondary, Father, to the word of God. And we stand on that this morning in this church. We love your word and we ask that you would speak to us, Lord, through your word, Lord, and that the words that are heard will be, Lord, be your words. You would change what's said if necessary, that we would hear only your voice this morning, every heart. And that you would mould us more and more into the shape of your son, Jesus Christ, in one way or another. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. You know how I love a seamless link? Um, so, introducing this morning's topic, I have a seamless link. So, are you ready? Did you hear about the man that was... Uh, no, let's start again. That's rubbish. That's not a seamless link. Let's start again. <sighs> you hear about the man last night who swallowed a five-pound note and was rushed to hospital? They're quite concerned about his condition. They're keeping him in to see if there's any change. <laughs> see? I told you it would be, be worth waiting for, Siobhan. <laughs> um, I know that my... Uh, anyway. So, speaking of change, that's a seamless link. Come on. Um, speaking of change, um, let me ask you a question, an important question. Can a person ever really, truly change? Can an individual actually truly change on that deeper level? People want to change. They say, I wish I was a different person. I wish I was this. I wish I was that. But can you actually ever really change as an individual, as a human being? They say, don't they, leopards don't change their spots. Well, that's no longer true, is it? Because although we're not leopards, nowadays, due to the, uh, the sad reality of cosmetic surgery when it's used for the wrong reasons, for self-esteem reasons, should I say, actually, human beings can change almost everything about themselves. In fact, there's, probably not, there's almost no aspect of the human body that you can't change one way or another. You can make yourself higher. There's even little things, you break your bones and it goes like that and it fills in. Sorry, that's horrible to think about, isn't it? You can change your hair colour. You can change your hairstyle. You can take things off and stick things in and you can implants here, there and everywhere. You can change your eye colour. You can change your skin tone. You can even cover yourself head to toe in tattoos. Some of them look awesome, actually, I have to say. I see some people at the beach and I think, if only I was cool enough to pull off the whole half shoulder down the, on the big dragon or whatever. But um, I'm not. I'm really not cool enough to pull it off. I'd love, to, I wish, I'd love to think I was at some point in my life. It's probably too late. Anyway, but you can change everything. In fact, nowadays you can even change your gender. You can change what you were born with and you can become a different gender in terms of how you look. But let me ask a question. Um, because you can change all those things. You can change your job. You can change your opinions. You can even change how you fit in socially. How many of us do it? We move area and we think, when I'm in this place, I'm going to be the fun, lively one. I'm going to be the one that's the life and soul of the party rather than the shy one. Or this time around, I'm not going to be the angry one. I'm going to be the placid one. Or I'm not going to be the placid one. I'm going to be the angry one so people respect me at last. Um, We do all those sort of things. But do we really change? 
even with all those extreme ways that we might approach it, is not most of the change that we do as human beings superficial? Is it just skin deep but doesn't actually go any deeper? We've been looking the last two weeks at salvation. The Bible talks about salvation through Christ alone. We've been thinking about the human condition. We've asked questions. We've asked lots of questions over the last two weeks. We've talked about how, as human beings, we are fundamentally broken, that we're not as we should be, and we all know it deep down. We talked about how, actually, the things we do, the mistakes we make, the the, the actions, the thoughts, the words, the deeds, whatever it might be, mean that, actually, we are all broken somewhere that we're lost, that we have this feeling of being not quite where we should and not who we should be. We're searching for who we are. Every time I turn my head at the moment, I hear that phrase with people saying, I don't know who I am. Even last night, when someone asked Norma Simons what was the biggest uh, change in her character, having found Jesus Christ, she said, I now know who I am. And she has had the worst life. And in fact, even after becoming a Christian, it still was bad. Um, but she said, I know who I am because of Jesus, because of Jesus, because of Jesus, she said over and over. We talked last week about baggage and how people have this baggage that they drag around with them. And we've talked about this for the last two weeks and the different aspects of salvation through Christ. We talked about how um, the Bible describes that what causes all that badness in our life is sin. The Bible tells us that we're born with a sin problem, original sin. Because of Adam and Eve, it's in our DNA. We're born into a broken relationship with God. That's why everybody needs to know Jesus Christ, good or bad, rich or poor. All of us are born separated from God. But sin is something that we decide to do every day. Sin is anything that we do or think or say or don't say that's not in line with the character and the commands of God. And we said last week that the effect of sin in our life is death physical death but a spiritual death a darkness that actually comes over us a pain of being away from God life with no hope for what comes next and whether someone might agree with that or not most people on this planet agree that world needs saving we need saving and we need a savior and Christians declare at the top of their voice that the savior of the world is none other than Jesus Christ everybody else provides a a lower level, a shallower level of change, which can be good, but only Jesus provides a deeper level of change, which saves a person's soul. So we've been talking about salvation. We've been talking about how when you put your trust in Jesus, you go from the kingdom of darkness, where you're in the wrong relationship with God, into the kingdom of light, where you know God's love properly. You're no longer under sort of judgment for your sin. You're under the, the life of God over here, and he loves you, and you experience that love in all its fullness. We talked about the effect of sin. We talked about how we go from death to life, from condemnation to forgiveness. Salvation is a process, isn't it? And you may identify with that process. And maybe it'd be good, as I say what I'm about to say, to think about your own journey to Jesus. Even if you've not quite given your life to him yet, you may identify with this. The first step on the road to being saved is that call of God on your heart. Long before you get to a church and someone says, Jesus is God's son, he died on the cross and he rose again. If you put your trust in him, you can be forgiven for your sin and live forever. Long before you hear the good news, something in you stirs. It may come in that form of that question, what is the point of it all? What am I doing? And then you suddenly maybe pass a poster outside a church or maybe perhaps a brave Christian friend takes one of their church's alpha leaflets and sticks it through their front door, maybe a hundred, or fifty, and then make a note on a bit of paper so that the 
the minister doesn't have to do it. Anyway, and they say, what is all this life and faith and meaning? Who is God? What is it all about? I want to find out more. Do you know what? I think I'll do it. Or maybe you come along to a service and there's an opportunity to come forward and know Jesus is your Savior. That call is on your heart and sometimes it's strong and you think, I've got to do something about this. I've got to find out more. That's the call. And then when you get to that moment and you pray that prayer, sometimes called the sinner's prayer, if you want the the sort of old-fashioned term, but it is what it is. It's turning from a life without God and accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And at that moment, you're regenerated. You're born again. We talk about being born again, don't we? That's not just simply being suddenly very different. But it's that moment where your old life without God is just over there, thrown away, and God gives you a new nature. The old has gone, the new has come. We read that a moment ago. And you're transformed. You're transformed. We're doing a course at the moment in our connect groups called Transformed Life which is about that transformed life that you have when you become a Christian. You're regenerated, you're made new from the inside out, and then you're justified before God. Like legally, you go from being someone who hates him to someone who loves him, not on his side, to being his child on his side with him. You have a, a legal standing where you're considered a son or a child of God. And then finally, the final step in that process is being adopted into God's family. Well, no longer your own, but your God's bought at a price, and you're a child of God. And you get to call the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Abba, Father. What an amazing process. God calls us. He transforms us. He changes our legal status. And then he adopts us as his own child. Abba, Father. When I was younger, so much younger than today. Um, thank you. Yeah. Um, I didn't write that down, by the way. It was a, off the cuff, just like that sometimes. Anyway, when I was younger, um, I used to, one of my favourite programmes was a question of sports. Anyone used to enjoy a question of sport? Not the new one with the annoying people, but Emmeline Holmes. Amy, no, Emmeline, yeah, Emmeline, Emmeline Hughes. Emmeline Hughes, the footballer, um, and he was brilliant, bless him. Um, and I remember my favourite bit, I think it was a Friday evening. I had a very boring childhood. I didn't go out that often. Um, and so Friday evenings I'd watch question of sports. And my favourite aspect of question of sport, my favourite thing was, what happens next? I don't know if you remember that. And they were showed at the clip, and they were, what happened next? And it was all, I always got it wrong. I considered myself on the ball, but I always got it wrong. And, and actually, when we talk about salvation as Christians, we're guilty of not asking and answering the question, what happens next? Because we're very good at telling people, once you become a Christian, you're no longer in trouble, you're going to live forever, you're going to go to heaven, God's going to forgive you, it's all going to be brilliant. And then we didn't actually ever say what happens next. So this morning is about what happens next. Because I'll tell you what happens next. What happens next is the word change. Not all human beings, in fact most human beings hate the word change. But God loves it. God is the same yesterday and today. But God is always changing things. Because he is the one constant and the one person who can. Um, He changes us deeply in a real deep level. There's a wonderful quote that says God loves you as you are but he loves you too much to let you stay like it. And I think it's the most wonderful quote, because as someone is looking at Jesus and looking at Christianity, they say, but I'm terrible, I've done this and I've done that and I've done that. And we rightly say to them, it doesn't matter. God loves you just as you are. He loves you with your brokenness. He loves you with your scars. He loves you with your baggage. You're allowed to bring all of that in. You're allowed to bring all of that with you to Jesus Christ, because he loves you with it. But God loves you so much that he can't bear to see you carry it anymore. And so once you're a Christian, God endeavors on a lifelong process 
but he just begins to take that, all that stuff off you. And it can be painful and it is long, but it is what God is doing and that's what comes next. The process of being what they call sanctified. The word is sanctification um, and it simply means holiness or set apart. Um, it actually comes from the root word saint. None of us feel like saints, do we? But that's what God is seeking to make his people, saints with the smallest. We don't mean venerated saints or anything like that, but saints. Saints who are God's people who are holy in his sight. All of us are on the quest for self-improvement. But the change that God brings to us after we accept Christ is deeper than just us feeling good about ourselves. It's better than being happy on a Monday morning. It's deeper. It's at the level of soul and spirit. Somewhere no one else can go. And that word sanctification comes after that word salvation. Once we're saved, God cleans us and makes us holy. And God does it in three ways. He does it firstly immediately. Let me read to you a few verses from the New Testament. Um, Titus chapter 3. Hang on. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 to 7 um, say this. At one time... You too, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Saviour, appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, bring our own baggage, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Saviour, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. How wonderful is that? I'd like to read uh, Romans chapter 6. It's a bit long. It's only worse. It's 14 verses. We're not going anywhere for a bit, are we? Not too long. But Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 14, Paul writes these wonderful words about that idea that God has immediately changed us when we find Christ. What should we say then? Should we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism, an analogy of the baptism service, into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, Through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be unified with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, so that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we've died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. No death, death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and every part of yourselves to him as in an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. Hallelujah. And actually, 
when I put my trust in Jesus Christ, something wonderful happened. You see, before I knew Jesus, I was a slave. I was a slave to sin. We all serve somebody, be it um, our own fears and worries or that darkness. And that darkness was my master. And when I put my trust in Jesus Christ, he took me from one kingdom, one master, and he brought me home into his kingdom. And he becomes my master and my God and my king. And in that moment when you become a Christian, it's as if he takes off all of your dirt and your darkness. Is of course what he does. And you're covered in the righteousness of Christ. And so what happens is you're released from the power of sin. And then when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of his son. We look at ourselves in the mirror and think, I'm awful. But if you know Christ, God looks at you and sees his son, whom he loves and loves and loves and loves. He loves you because you're clothed in the things of Jesus. But what it means is, because you've been taken from the power of sin, because it's been broken in your lives, it means that everyone who is a Christian can never utter the phrase, this sin I'm struggling with is too strong. This thing I'm currently resisting is more powerful than I. Not one Christian can ever utter that phrase because you have been released from the power of sin and darkness. It has been broken through Christ's death on the cross and you are set free from sin. So if sin rages in your life, it does not have the victory. It can never have the victory if Christ has broken its power over you. So the first way God makes us clean is immediately by moving us moving spiritually, if you like, from one kingdom to another. A second way we're changed is gradually, despite that change and breaking of the power of sin, we still battle temptation every day. The Bible says temptations are all around us. And once we're saved and released, God does change us. But when what God does from that moment of becoming a Christian is he embarks on a lifelong project of cleaning us up and making us more and more like Jesus Christ. Romans 6, verse 19, the second half, says, Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. We are set free from sin, but every day we must say, Lord, today I offer my whole life to you. I offer all the broken bits I want to let go of that sin, that brokenness, and that baggage. I want you to just continue to refine me. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, Paul writes this. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In other words, what he's saying there is every day, As a Christian, God is chipping away so that we more and more are being transformed into the likeness of his son. God does that through refining us gently. Sometimes it's through direct challenge. Sometimes it's through discipline or encouragement. But God is planting seeds in our life that will be pleasing for him to look. Galatians chapter 5. What do we read? The fruit of the spirit. This is what God uh, sows in us. Is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Christian journey is one where God is slowly, slowly chipping bits off of us that don't look like Jesus Christ until in the end we resemble his son. It is a lifelong journey. I bet when you were first a Christian, if you're a Christian this morning, I bet when you were first a Christian the thought crossed your mind that you didn't sin very much. 
Anyone else do that? I did that. I remember thinking, I know I'm supposed to say sorry for all my sins. And I say, Lord, I'm very sorry for all my sins. And I think, okay, well, I swore at school. That's it. I think I'm good. Really? Pretty good? Pride might be an issue. Um, but that was it. But as I go through my Christian walk, the closer I get to the holy God, the more I realize, actually, there's so much that I don't do right. But that's not because God is making me feel bad. But what God is doing is showing all the, in the next level of area that needs to be chipped away. Until one day we pray, even Gary Hansen might vaguely resemble Jesus Christ, hopefully at some point. It is a lifelong process. I've got a poem I'd like to read to you. Um, this is written by Andrea. And not to embarrass her. But she wrote this uh, right at the beginning of her Christian journey. And the reason she's not going to read it is because I'm not sure she'll get through it um, without a few tears but it's called misunderstood and it's about that misunderstanding of what it's going to be like once you become a christian Uh, and this is how this poem goes this is written right at the beginning of her christian journey i don't remember seeking you yet i'll never forget being found i don't remember needing to change and yet i look in my heart and see a new me you took me lord and refined me But what a fool I was. I believed that acceptance of you meant an easy life. No problems. I misunderstood. I underestimated your greatness. I mistook having faith in you for a handful of wishes. I prayed for an easy life instead of strength to cope with it. For a while, Lord, my foot nearly slipped. With every step forward, I took multitudes back. For a long period, I lost my way in the dark. I seemed to turn every corner to come to a dead end. Yet amid this confusion, I never lost hope. I lost friends, pride, dependence, but never hope. I sank down and I felt resentful. I felt alone, but never alone. I felt lonely, but never alone. At times, I'd feel like cursing, throwing it all in. But instead, I'd find myself crying out to the one I thought had abandoned me. Why? Tell me why. Make it clear. What have I done? But now I know what I had done. I'd misunderstood Lord, a life with you is full, not only with blessings and love, but with tests and problems and failures. But all these bad times are times of praise. In my despair, it was you I called for. In my darkness, light came from the one door. When I was down, I needed you and longed for you the most. But I don't believe this is a weakness, for it was. if it was, I would be perpetually down. Now, it is no weakness to yearn for you, because all the time you were refining me. With each new day, I face a new challenge. With each new challenge, my refiner's fire is drawing out my impurities, bringing with them to the surface and then wiping them away. Until one glorious day, he will look, at, look into me and see his own reflection. I pray the impossible, that I will become like Jesus Christ, that on earth I may stand tall and shine for him, so that when the day comes that I meet him, he may welcome me back as he first created me. Perfect. But that's the journey, isn't it? You're totally clean when you're a Christian. The moment you accepted Christ, you were cleaned on the inside and out. Yet in this world of temptations and habits, God is just chipping the rest of it away. And the final way that God cleans us is he cleans us permanently. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 is a wonderful verse to meditate on. It's really wonderful to meditate on this verse if you're having a struggle, if things aren't going well in your life and you can't see an end. Or maybe you worry that that there's going to be all sorts of trials in the future. Paul writes in uh, Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, Being confident of this, 
that he who began a good work in you will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. A person we all will be totally transformed, totally clean, totally brand new on that day when Christ returns. He changes us at the beginning, he changes us gradually, and then finally that change will be permanent. There will be no sin, no doubt, no fear, no baggage in heaven for eternity, and it will be wonderful. I'd love to illustrate uh, what I'm trying to say, and I wonder if I might need a hand, actually. Can I, can I borrow you, Daphne? Is that all right? I didn't think it through with so many wires. <laughs> anyway, so this is an illustration. If you just stand over there a bit. Just, uh, just that, Thank you. So this bowl represents being Jesus Christ. So here is Christ. He is perfect in all his ways. He is pure and holy. And this is us. This is the everyday person. And you're going along with your life, making your mistakes. Things are a bit rubbish. And, and you have that call of God. You feel that voice of God, that tap on the shoulder. What about my son? What about being a Christian? What about giving a life to Christ? And that call is heeded and that person turns around. And uh, you have to walk towards me because I've got the microphone here. Sorry. Um, and then, maybe a bit back actually, definitely. That's fine. Perfect. Sorry. I don't want to get my book wet. Anyway. <laughs> and you get to that moment. And this is the moment where you, someone says, would you like to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior? And you say, yes. You pray that prayer. You say sorry for your sin. And, you, and then you're in. You're in Christ. And in that moment, you're transferred from this world where he's not Lord. And that kingdom that's dark. And then you're in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of light. But you're still you. But you're in Christ, so you're totally safe, you're totally new, you're totally in God. But something else is going on at the same time because you're still you, but if you look slowly but surely, gradually, you begin to fill with Christ. I should have put more water in. Um, until at the end of your life, if you're a let's just do it properly, Daphne, hang on. Talk amongst yourselves. Until that day when you are risen from the dead. And you resemble your saviour 100%. So you're in Christ, but then you slowly are being made like Christ until that day of completion when you are exactly like Jesus Christ. And so, thank you. That's put the baptistry back three hours, by the way, taking that out. (laughs) There's a hole in it, but we'll come to that another time. And so, as I finish, what's the message I suppose the message is three things. The first is if you're not a Christian and you keep changing yourself, you eat healthily, you do the latest diet, latest fad, you go to the gym, whatever it might be, it may make you feel good for a bit, of course it will. But are you really changing? Is it something deeper in you that needs to be addressed? That can only be addressed by your creator and the one who defeated death, Jesus Christ. And if you're a Christian this morning, if you're wondering why is this still happening, why am I still fighting this, do not give up. Do not give up because God is not finished with you. I'd love to show you a video, but I don't think we've got time. It's too long. But go home and Google God's chisel. There we are. Um, I'd love to have played you that, but I think it's too much. But it's just about a, a man meeting God. It's acted out, and God has a chisel. And he's just chiseling bits off this guy. And he goes, that really hurts. Oh, stop. That's enough. We're good. And God says, I'm not good. I'm not good until you look like Jesus. And if you are still struggling with a sin or with a habit or with a hurt, don't give up. 
Because God hasn't finished with you yet. God is not going to be finished with you yet until the day you die. And on that day, it will not be a day where God didn't finish it. It will be a glorious day where God completes it. And on that moment when you rise from the grave, you will look at yourself and you will think, wow, I look so different. Wow, I feel so different. Wow, I sound so different. Because at that moment, God would have finished the chipping away of everything that's not meant to be in your life. So don't give up as you struggle with that bit of baggage that just refuses to get out of your hand. Because God will not let go of you. And finally, there is a hope that every single one of us has. Our salvation is now, our hope is later, and after the grave we will see everything as we should perfectly. We will see God face to face. There will not be one single sin to contend with for eternity. Our hope is there, and we fight here, and that's going to be our hope. Focus on the hope to come and live in its reality now. We're going to pray, Um, and then we're just going to sing out our final song together. Um, after this service, we do have our prayer team that will be down the front. And maybe you do have something that you, you, you've battled with for years and it's dogged you. And uh, no one's going to have a, a, a lovely one-liner. It'd be nice if you could just say to someone, bosh, 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 fixed. But that's not the way life works. But we want to sit with you, we want to encourage you, we want to pray with you. Because actually sometimes what you need is just someone to love you and cry with you, as the Bible says, and laugh with you and walk with you. Because that's what God's doing as well. And so if there's something that you're struggling with, you just want to share with someone. You don't even have to say what it is. You can just say, I've got this thing and I can't get rid of it. Let them pray for you. Or maybe it's something else. Or maybe you want to become a Christian. Do that as well. Or maybe it's a sin that you need just to share with someone you want to say sorry to God for. Just come and do that as well. But we'll do that at the end. But let me pray now and then we're going to sing our final song. Father God, we lift up everything that we've said this morning. Father God, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for uh, just how wonderful it is, Lord. It speaks a truth that, Lord, we just don't hear anywhere else. We pray this morning that we might let that truth uh, just arrest our soul. And, Lord, for those of us that know you already, Lord, when we go back to that same place where we're so disappointed in ourselves, where we feel we disappoint you so much, may we be assured, Lord, of your love. You may not like what we do. It may, even, um, it may even separate us in terms of our intimacy for a bit. But Lord, we're never f- far from you because we're in Christ. We're in that bowl. Lord, sink us deeper into the holiness of God so that we'd reflect him even more. And Lord, for those who don't know Jesus Christ this morning, may they know the freedom of being in Christ, maybe for the first time. And I lift all this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.